0: No country has ever prospered that failed to put its own interests first. We will no longer surrender this country or its people to the false song of globalism.
1: New Right Network presents
0: Right Now, the featured podcast of New Right Network. Mobilizing, countering the left, energizing the right. New Right Network, home of the New Right Movement. Um, A concealed carry class every two weeks, and uh, I used to. I'm not even going to bullshit anymore that I'm doing a lot of firearms-related training because I'm just not. I haven't done a serious uh, gun training class in well since since I hooked up with Adam Gingrich. It's been uh, I haven't done anything. So I do my concealed carry class every two weeks, and that's about it. And I, I barely keep the website updated. So I think
1: it would be extremely dangerous to not own a firearm to live in New York City, to be honest with you. I think it's madness.
0: Well, it depends where you live. See, the, the solution that the, uh, that the liberals in New York came to was disarm everybody who's law-abiding. And they really can't control the criminals at all. So there are more guns illegally owned in the five boroughs of New York City than probably. And I'm speculating, I don't have any data. But I would assume that there are more illegal guns in New York than Tennessee, Oklahoma, and Alabama combined. Right? There's, if you look Look at the the NYPD's own statistics, they're saying there are millions upon millions of illegal firearms. When, in fact, they've only issued, I believe, 30,000. Permits And that includes long guns and rifle permits as well. Everything must be uh, permitted here. It's not like the New York state. You don't need to get a special permit for um, long arms. But any handgun owner has to be uh, scrutinized uh, from here to eternity. Of course, criminals don't need to be scrutinized at all. And anyway, New York City, their solution was to turn the white areas of new york into uh you know cop cop world um and the non-white areas are free for all so yeah i live in the upper west side it's all white there's a lot of jews rich communist jews up here um and so just before everyone freaks out because i know we live in this completely uh you know ridiculous uh world right now i am jewish so, uh, I swore I would never end up on the Upper West Side because I despise it. But um, I did, <laughs> and they're not too happy about it. Uh, my nickname in my building is Hitler. So uh, that's always <laughs> that's what they
1: call you, huh? That's a term of endearment, yeah. I guess.
0: Well, because I ordered a, uh, I ordered a firearms uh, cabinet for my long arms. And uh, it was delivered and left in the front uh, of the, the reception area of the building, and they wrote my name on it. And it had like a, you know, like a, a, a moose head and uh, a couple of shotguns <laughs> crossed over the moose head. So that kind of like that outed me, right? It definitely outed me in the building. And oddly enough, the only people in the building that like me is a, uh, a homosexual artist. And a couple of, uh, of old women who I do computer, I fix their computers from time to time when, when it doesn't work. But otherwise, I think the building pretty much despises me. But I'm okay with that because I'm only there two days, three days a uh, month these days. I'm out in rural PA where most of my neighbors actually will tell me, you're the only New York City person i have ever met that isn't, you know, like some kind of weird commie freak, which uh, I take it as the highest compliment, actually.
1: Hey, I just had a friend move to New York City. He's only lived there for six months, and he's already, already starting to talk that liberal communist bullshit
0: already. Here's the thing. A lot of people will shit on um, New York City and California and and these types of places like it's beyond hope. But here's the reality. I think just like in anything, the hardcore commies are maybe 20, 30 percent of the population – And then in order to get along in New York, there's the bandwagon effect. There are so many people that you'll meet if you uh, stay in New York City for any amount of time that quietly will tell you once they figure out that you're not a lib. They'll say, yeah, man, it's fucked up, right? But people that I wouldn't even consider really conservatives or even Republicans, they're tired of all of this Stalinist bullshit but it's under their breath and everyone is deathly afraid of being labeled a racist homophobe or any of that other garbage and losing their jobs that's and and that actually it happened to me i used to have a pretty good consultancy going um but once i came out as new york city guns as a gun owner everyone abandoned me all my clients abandoned me so i i kind of knew going into it that would happen and when it happened you know, it's kind of like uh, this guy today. He has a Mill Bitchell or Bill Bitchell account. He has been saying for days they're going to take my account, and sure enough, they did. It's uh, one plus one equals two, even if they tell you it might equal three. So, speaking of that, what do you think about the
1: left's just culture of if they don't like it, boycott it, mass boycott it, put them out of business, run them out of town? Do you think that? that's bullshit or do you think that from our side we should be standing up and voting with our dollars too what do you think
0: yeah i mean okay so there's the stock quote-unquote conservative response which would be some kind of uh melange of uh oh i can't believe we've come to this point mixed with a little bit we have to be the better people and show them how it's done um, but you know me. You talked to me last year. I no longer believe any of that shit. Um, no, I I I embrace it. I love it. And my only uh, my only sadness is that our side is not as effective at using these kind of uh, these kind of uh, terroristic activities against the left. We're learning, and you can see. Uh, with the recent outing of all these uh, libtard scum reporters at you know, New York Times, LA Times, all the garbage uh, propaganda wings of the, uh, of the left are now being threatened directly, right, by people on our side. We are showing the anti-Semitism, the racism, and we're, we're collecting some scalps, and I am so happy. I'm very proud of the younger people because, as I said last year to you, my own estimation of my own generation and the one that came right before me, that horrid hippie 60s bullshit generation, um, I'm not impressed. I wasn't impressed when I was in 18 or 17 during the Reagan administration. I knew I could see that most of the people my age were full of shit, and the people that raised them, the 60s idiots, were even worse. So seeing the younger people, people in their 20s, I don't have real any experience people underneath the 20s, right? Being that I'm not like some weird old guy trying to hang out with young guys. That's not my scene at all. But I do see things online, which lead me to believe that things are moving in the right direction, that this next generation of, you know, right center people are fighters, and they're willing to go toe to toe with these bastards, these communist assholes. And I love it. Well, I think I they were fed up crock shit think. their
1: whole lives, and they're rejecting yeah, it. Yeah, well, so, so was
0: think. my. Listen, dude, my generation was too. But it's, it's, it's every individual will have a different response. It's like I could, I could take my finger and I could poke it right into your chest and threaten you, and you might cuck out, you might run away. You might say, oh, uh, don't hurt me. Another person would deck me. Everyone has their own response to the external stimuli. And I'm telling you, my generation, by and large, they liked Ronald Reagan, but none of them ever really understood conservatism. They were lucky that the background noise was Reagan, but they never would have fought to get Reagan there. And we've seen that's exactly what they're the bandwagon effect in New York City. So if we can make left the way the left is trying to criminalize us, if we can get our shit together and criminalize them, and I think there's a very good chance we could, like we did in the 1940s and 50s, um, the bandwagon effect will work for us as well. And you'll get that beautiful 30 to 40 percent of the population that just wants to be on the winning team. The left knows this, which is why they're becoming increasingly shrill and strident of late because they realize that in the war of ideas, A, no matter what bullshit algorithms they do online, you can't keep our voices down. B, we are becoming the new punk rock, we are the new underground. And C, I think um, this kind of PC SJW bullshit is about as attractive to young people as listening to all that hippie garbage music was to my generation in the 1980s. Nobody wanted
1: it. At least you knew what gender you were back then.
0: We still do. It's a great lie that people are buying into that garbage. It's a great lie. You know it. You're younger than me. When was the last time you met anybody who was serious trying to get you to call them "zer" or something like that? Only online. I personally have
1: never, not once, have ever encountered it in my,
0: my own life. Well, there's someone in my wife's family want to point out it's my wife's family not mine um that is uh you know that that is trying to portray themselves as transgendered but if you want my opinion which i guess why i'm here you want my opinion on these things he's you he is seeing this transgenderism stuff as the perfect way to see in the 80s in the 70s if you wanted to piss off your parents your school uh, and society at large you became a punk rocker that's what you did i know because i did it right that's what i did this was before the mohawks this was just you know wearing uh wearing a lot of black uh listening to the sex pistols the stranglers iggy and the stooges driving your parents crazy by blasting punk rock music like the dead kennedys holiday in cambodia just generally becoming a All new- great
1: bands by the way
0: Yeah, well, this is why I grew up with that stuff. That was like new music when I was – this is how old I've become. But anyway, that's what you did. And um, the difference was back then, you get into trouble. Like You you could get a a reputation at school. The uh, principal of my school once uh, held an entire uh, school-wide assembly just about me. It wasn't related to punk rock, but that's what a nuisance I was. I'm, I was, listen, I was born somebody who has an inclination to fuck with authority. I just, I still do it. Look, you know me. You've been watching my activities. It's what I do. It's the only thing I'm really good at, actually, um, is seeing like the hypocritical nonsense coming out of these authority figures and fucking with them and making them look dumb. Right. So here's what it is. These transgenderism, had it been around, had it been an option to fuck with authority back in 1977 or 78, I can't tell you in all honesty whether I might have had a flirtation with using it in the same way this member of my wife's family. Let's put it this way. He's demanding to be a transgendered woman, yet he's a guy, no surgery, no hormones, no nothing. He wears clothes that actually like he's trying to get you to say he doesn't look like a woman so he can accuse you of being transphobic. And he has a like
1: is it like Pat on Saturday Night Live back in the day androgyny time,
0: that kind of thing? No, Pat, Pat, you couldn't really tell. This guy looks like a dude who wears ugly sundresses. I mean, it's absolutely (laughs) ridiculous. And so I told his mother. Actually, no, I didn't tell his mother. I bullshitted his mother because I don't think she could handle the truth. But I told someone else in the family at a recent wedding. I said, it's my opinion, whatever it's worth. And I'm not a psychiatrist. But my opinion is that this guy has discovered a way to fuck with society in a way that no one can call him on his shit. And he thinks it's the greatest. You can just see in his face. He's discovered the greatest. It's like these assholes have handed him the greatest way to fuck with people from a position of total safety. If I had been able to figure out something like that back in the 70s, there is no end to the mayhem I could have caused. And I believe that is what we're seeing. You're seeing a very small percentage of people who actually have gender dysphoria and a larger number of people who are involved with it for political or other reasons. I've actually known people. I say that, I say that people do things like that, and I, I've been
1: quoted as saying this, that people do it honestly just to be cool, just to stand out, just to have something different about themselves. That's all it is. That's yeah, I mean, look, for me, something. I've always
0: been different. I, my life was defined as trying to fit in, especially as I got older and I was working in these giant corporations. The, the, the push and pull of my existence was trying to appear normal, and it took a lot. Here's the thing. It's like you talk to gay guys, especially gay men, uh, when they were closeted. You ask them what it was like, and the overall answer you'll get is it was exhausting because pretending to be someone you're not is an exhausting endeavor. Eventually, you become worn down you have no energy and just in a desperate move you'll actually call your parents and say hey listen i'm gay because you just can't do it anymore and so in the same way i understood what that was because i had to hide who i was in corporate america that who was i i was a punk rocker i was a freak my idea of a you know of, of a, a perfect woman was some chick wearing like black makeup Uh, you know uh, listening to Bauhaus or something but I had to pass it off like I was a normal guy and after doing that pretty well I would say for about 20 plus years I had my moment where I couldn't do it anymore and so you can see now I've thrown it all away I've thrown it all away um, but I've I sleep well I I feel I've said that
1: to also many times uh for years now that we are the new counterculture. We are the new punk rock. It is hip to be square, and we're living in the new '80s under Trump. I believe that.
0: Yeah, except that it's not the '80s, right? Since I actually lived through the '80s as a in high school and college, right? It's. I think it's. See, less Russians, I mean, less cocaine, right? <laughs> no, I'd say there's more Russians. Here's the big thing: in the '80s, people, the young people, first of all, everything people are being told that weren't there is pretty much wrong. Like most people in the 80s did not dress the way, if you watch 16 Candles or any of these 80s movies where everyone looked bizarre, did I have clothes like that in the 80s? Yeah, I had a few, but I didn't wear them every day. Most people looked um, rather drab in the best part of the 1980s. They wore like micro, what was it called? Micro-threaded corduroy pants Uh, usually in some kind of brown shit brown or tan color and like a t-shirt any t-shirt like they buy at like some secondhand store maybe like a boston t-shirt although punk rockers would rather die than wear that shit you you wore what you had nobody looked like they do in these movies it's a great lie it's one of the it's actually amusing because when i was growing up in the 70s I would see movies from the 40s and 50s and ask my dad, is that what it was really like? And he would just have this look on his face and laugh at me like, yeah, we wish everyone looked that glamorous. You know, it's just not the way it is. So in the 80s, they they try to make it seem like this nuclear war and Russia was on everyone's mind at every second. And I can tell you it wasn't. It wasn't. You know, the, the, the political left wants us to believe that we were all thinking we were going to die at every second, if only. If only we did, then no Democrats could have ever won. No, most people thought it was all a joke or it was beyond their pay grade, and they ignored it. And the most they ever thought about the Cold War is if they saw Gorky Park or something in the movie theater. That's about it. As an anti-communist who was a red baiter in the 70s and 80s, I wish everyone was super political about uh, the Soviet Union, but they weren't. The, the Russia hardly ever came up in the popular newscasts, maybe if like, they invaded Afghanistan or something. But generally, you never heard about anything about it. I've heard more about Russia in the last two years than I ever did during the Cold War, and that to me is remarkable. It's pretty shocking
1: to me too. You know, I was uh, I was too young to remember the '80s, but uh, you know, I don't know. You're right. I mean, they sell you know an image to you. You know what I mean? So you're seeing that, and like you said, back in the '40s or even the '30s or the '20s, not everyone was living the Great Gatsby, right? It kind of makes sense.
0: Well, like even if you ever go to Germany, at least I went to Germany in the '80s, and when the when the World War II generation was still alive. And it was, you know, it's like this idea. As an American growing up with many members of my family who fought in World War II, you get this idea, like all the Germans were like Hitler Youth and uh, going to the Nuremberg Rally and palling around with Lenny Riefenstahl and, and all this stuff. When in fact, it was that is not what it was at all. It's like these people had very little. They were remember the Versailles Treaty basically uh, bankrupted Germany. The people were poor. It was hard to get food. But in my mind, because I watch all those newsreels and movies that everyone was like, you know, this uh, clean shaven, freshly starched uh, Nazi in a perfect uniform. It's just what I'm saying is the biggest gulf of understanding, I think, for any generation is to try to intellectually cross uh, and try to really understand the world before they appeared it's the hardest thing you're ever going to do and i think the only way to get for me the only way that i got any kind of handle on what was happening in the 40s 50s or 60s is i availed myself anyone who was alive during that period as many as i could find i would ask my 20 questions until i got a pretty good understanding as best as you can ever get being that you weren't there And um, I assume that process is the same now, now that I know things that a lot of people under 30 don't, most of them have no interest in it. They watch a couple of movies from the 80s and think, oh, I know what the 80s were, but they don't. Just like they will get, if they're not killed, they will reach middle age also, and they will find the same, it's a remarkable thing. To see people saying things that you know are patently false but everyone under 20 or 30 believes them you know like that that the 80s under reagan everyone was poor it was the actually was the exact opposite right it was one of the weirdest periods i've lived through where the standard of living rocketed for the majority of people in the country meanwhile during the clinton administration Uh, and certainly during, uh, the Obama, certainly during the Obama years, things stagnated, but the media and the narrative was how great things were, but people my age, I don't think bought it because if they did, Trump could never have won. See, even the assholes I went to high school with, they were fucking there. So was I. And they remember how all of our parents were doing pretty gangbusters after 1983, from 1984 to probably 1999, the economy was on fire thanks to the things Ronald Reagan did. That's a pretty good run, and of course, you know, W killed it, and Obama buried it. Right. But Trump is. You know, let me to ask get you suspect. this, and I, let me ask you this then, because you
1: know, you said you you've been around the 80s and all this. Even in the 80s, did people? know that jimmy carter was a pile of shit or did they try to glamorize it like they do obama
0: absolutely not i mean there was see the thing was back there when you're looking talking about 79 80 was the media left wing yes but back then it was the kiss of death to openly talk about communism or socialism you were done because that world war ii generation was still alive right they're gone now all right unfortunately they are gone. the old guard is gone unfortunately for you and the rest of your little crew of young guys i've replaced them it's it's a very depressing thing for me well my generation and that 60s trashy garbage generation has replaced the greatest generation they can't speak and they can't vote anymore but when they were still here why is it that ted kennedy hiding the fact he was a, co- a communist why he was selling a, why was ted kennedy doing backroom deals with the soviet union to try to harm ronald reagan because he was but it was done secretly and when that when that information came out he denied it vehemently today aoc is talking about karl marx and how great it is and how our economy sucks etc they're doing it openly now you couldn't do that in the 80s It would be the kiss of death. So the media back then, you had conservatives working in the media. You had conservatives working in academia. That all changed in the 90s. So in my time, when I remember high school, did we have our lefty piece of shit teachers? We absolutely did. I took great pleasure in eviscerating, in vivisecting those motherfuckers. But at the same time, I would say roughly half of my professors were conservatives who actually some of them worked for the nixon administration some of them um you know all of them were ronald reagan fans one of them was a one of them mr damon uh i did ap history with him i think in 12th grade he uh, had worked at time magazine as a senior editor for politics and he was a he was a conservative real reagan conservative do you think there are any conservatives working at time magazine or newsweek these days i tell you that they're absolutely not absolutely the, the world has changed it's sort of like um the left because they are stalinesque and intolerant wherever leftism is prominent intolerance will rise and people like you and me are shut out they want to pretend we don't even exist. And dare we speak publicly, they want to have us deplatformed. That's their world. And the world of why conservatives… they would like
1: to have a lot more than just deplatformed if they had their way.
0: If they had their way, we would be dead. Let's make no mistake. They want us dead, which is why I recommend highly that you learn how to use firearms, learn how to defend yourself without firearms, and stock up on guns and ammo. It's the patriotic thing to do.
1: I'm not trying to come across like, oh, grandpa, tell me about the good old days or anything like that when I talk to you, Glenn. But did you have that good perspective,
0: and I'm not your grandfather me? yet, I'm more like your <laughs> fa- father's age, probably. So I'm like your father's age, grandfather maybe in ten or fifteen years, but you know. No, I, I was just being being facetious, but I didn't mean nothing by that. So, but when do you think the politics
1: went from, you know, we could have a healthy disagreement? into blood sport that it is now to you know family members disowning each other over party affiliation.
0: It started during the Clinton eight years and came to fruition during W. So during the Clinton's eight years, this in, this this thing, if you want to call it the rise of, uh, of our crazy see, during the Reagan administration, the only crazies that I saw on the political spectrum were all lefty assholes, or they were into like, or they were right wing psychos that were into like Lyndon LaRouche or some crap like that. Um, but those were like tiny. Most conservative Republicans in the '80s were like super square. Um, you know, like uh, Rotary Club guys, totally not like me or you at all. There's nothing subversive about them. There was no hint of irony in anything that they did. It's it's like what you would think your grandpa would be like. That's what most conservatives were like, very square. There was some people like me. We called ourselves uh, Republican reptiles or lounge, sometimes uh, the great P.J. O'Rourke. Uh, wrote a book called i think it was called republican party reptiles and uh you know it was about what kind of who are the who are these young republicans who were hanging out at fancy nightclubs um drinking too much maybe doing a little cocaine and trying to bed the hottest chick they could because certainly that was part of the republican scene but it was a small part today i would say that type of flavor of being sort of like an underground Republican, rock r- a rock and roll Republican, if you will, is now the norm, and the the square Republican I think is maybe only thirty percent of our base now. Most of the Republicans are partiers, and they're it, see what I'm trying to tell you is back in '81 or '82, if you looked at our base, at least when I looked at the base, what I saw was a lot of like prim and proper. People, maybe they were having a, a, you know, Studio 54 type of lifestyle, but you never would advertise it, right? If, if you were swingers or you drank too much or you smoked a lot of pot, you would never admit that in front of your kids. You'd hide it. Today, no one is hiding anything. So, you know, you've got guys like Scott Pressler, Gays for Trump. Um, you got, uh, you know, all these uh, various uh, black, black folks are coming out with, for Trump. Uh, you know, Hispanic folks coming out for Trump uh, in a humorous way, like, yeah, yeah, you know, all Hispanics hate Trump except me, right? And that you see them on social media. Back in the '80s, you really wouldn't see anybody like, you know, uh, I'm a goth for Reagan. It just, it just didn't exist within certain subcultures. People would whisper, like, you know, a lot of the guys I knew in the '80s who were gay would whisper. Once they got to trust you, saying, "Don't tell any, don't tell any of the other gay people." But, but I like I like Ronald Reagan, and I, I think Andy Warhol does too. You know, like that kind of thing, right? Because Warhol loved the Reagans. You you had to wonder, did he even understand the, the politics? I don't think he cared about politics. He saw them as glamorous. And so his interview magazine often had Nancy Iran on it with a, a painting that he did that are probably worth a couple hundred million dollars right now. But uh, the eighties, listen, what I'm, the short answer is the nineteen eighties were a completely different time. And during the Clinton years, um, the right became that the, the people like you wouldn't be here if it wasn't for bill clinton it was during the clinton period that our base became radicalized against the commie liar uh mr clinton and it was during the w period w bush that the left sort of became they went from standard like 60s hippie bullshitters to becoming antifa when did that happen that the rank-and-file lefty hippies became Antifa, it was during W. That's where Occupy Wall Street was created by Soros. It was in that environment. And so during Obama, they took the Antifa reality and bankrolled it with your tax money. And what you're seeing now is Donald Trump trying to apply the same formula, which is to take taxpayer money – and radicalize our people and i hate to say this but i'm going to say it publicly for the very first time my belief is this q thing actually is a physical manifestation of uh of the right experimenting with antifa like politics because they understand in the next 10 or 20 years our side has to be equally armed and equally amped as crazy as those people are I think the reality is setting in. We need to weaponize our crazies I as theory, well. I theory, in
1: on the new thing, and I don't think I've said this publicly, I think that there's some kind of social experiment going on, and I do think there's something to it. As far as, like, they are trying, I, I'm just, obviously they're quackpots, and it makes no sense, but I think it, there is some kind of reasoning to why they're trying to float this idea. I believe that.
0: Yeah, but what I'm saying is a student of the left, I've been watching them for over 40 years now, carefully. The one thing we've never had on our side is the will to take the crazies and mobilize them and make them street fighters. The left has been doing this since the 1940s, actually since the 30s. They're very good at it. You know, they're good at mobilizing their insane people, underwriting their insane people, bussing them around the country. So it looks like there's always 10 or 15,000 of them at any one given place, giving the impression through the media. The narrative is that we are everywhere, to coin uh, Jerry Rubin's favorite book, famous book, which is another roadmap. I mentioned this in our first interview. You know, Abby Hoffman, Jerry Rubin, if you study what they were saying in the 1960s, as a right winger in 2019, every fucking word is like gold. And what I'm seeing is people of your generation and even younger rediscovering Steal This Book by Abby Hoffman, you know, reading Elridge Cleaver's inane writings, and even the, the bullshitter, fart bag, Saul Alinsky, who was a complete loser, you know. But all these things are as relevant today as they ever were. The only difference is back in the 80s, none of our guys could go toe-to-toe with the left today they can and that is why you're seeing the real fear from these sjw thought police types because we finally have our nut jobs mobilized we can go toe-to-toe with these bastards and we can win
1: we actually have some pretty good victories under our belt, actually. I think I think you're right. It's scaring them, and they're just going to get like a cornered animal. They're going to get more and more radicalized. That's all there is to
0: it. Well, they have no – listen, there's only two ways that they can go. They can keep going down that rabbit hole of uh, Walter Benjamin-style uh, Malthusian uh, Frankfurt School cancer – they can keep going. They can keep finding more and more genders uh, in their fucking pants, or they can rediscover what was the winning formula for these commie assholes in the uh, the sixties, seventies, and eighties and nineties, which is be a piece of shit commie pig, but deny it, deny, 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 and make sure that there's always plenty of photo ops for you to salute the flag and uh and pretend to be a patriotic american that is how bill clinton was elected and lest we forget that is how barack obama was elected right barack obama minus a few slip-ups was not running as soul brother eldridge cleaver motherfucker black power far from it he was doing these massive uh rallies with with roman columns and giant american flags and talking about lincoln and uh the you know our better angels and this is what this was the con he was the last it was somewhere during that eight years the left became emboldened and decided we don't need to fucking lie anymore let's be who we are i think they're shocked that the majority of americans really don't want it we're a capitalist society. People like their shit. You like your 70-inch, 80-inch television. You don't think it's wrong that if you've got the bread, you can spend $10,000 on a monitor if you wanted to. And when people are telling you you shouldn't be able to do that, I think fundamentally whether you're left or right in this country, people are like, "Ah, yeah, fuck you." Right? so my opinion they should start hiding again they need to start hiding their shit again i don't think it's possible i think what needs to happen is they need to go full crazy in 2020 lose and then we'll see what happens to the democratic party can they put can it be put back together or does it fractionalize into you know the quote-unquote more normal democrats The ones that we used to joke around in the early 80s as the old Democrats who just wanted to spend more of your money versus the crazy ones who believe there are 87 genders and 57 flavors and men have vaginas and all of that stuff. And if that happens, see, check this out, man. If that breaks, if there's a clean break like that, then I don't think they win anything for a long time. Because then half three quarters of the normals will be voting Republican as a protest vote until I agree.
1: If they fracture, the- if they fracture, we win in the, in the long run for sure. Let me ask you this. What do you think if I was actually asked this today, what do you think about some of these aides whenever they come out of the White House lately and they've been trashing Trump? Like, you know, specifically Scarmucci, and then you have Mattis, you know make some comments in this new book. Are they? You think they're buckling to liberal pressure? And if so, it would be hard to imagine Mattis doing that. But what's going on there? What do you think?
0: No, I don't think it has anything to do. It's about money, right? So if I came, if you worked for Donald Trump, and uh, you know, no one is going to hire you now, which is the case with Scaramucci and, and Mattis. They they be clown. Both of them became a clown show, right? They were, Let's just say neither of them were very effective. They were exposed as being incompetent and uh, unnecessary, and they were called out by their boss and fired. Not good, right? It, it ain't fun when you get the button pushed on you. That said, if a year or two later someone comes to you and says, hey, Ash, look, uh, I know you worked for, uh, for Trump for like a week until he fired you. Um here's the deal. We can we can pay you like twenty five thousand dollars as an advance on a book. But if you're willing to guarantee the following seven bullet points of type of material will be included, we can give you two hundred and fifty thousand as an advance. That's what you're seeing. Just straight up money, dude. This money makes the world go round. I think if there was a way for Scaramucci to get the payday without shitting on Trump publicly, he would probably prefer to do it. But at this point, who on the left is going to hire him and who on the right is going to hire him? He's pretty much done. He's fucked. Yeah, but Scaramucci worth like $900 million or something ridiculous, right? No. He's not worth shit. I mean, he, he may done? have some money. I don't think he's like a super wealthy guy. Maybe he is. I don't know. He doesn't strike me. He's not on the Trump level, right? No, you're right about that. He might have like... Anyway, I'm not even going to speculate because I don't think it matters. With guys you
1: know, like... He's, he's, he's affluent enough, you know, and he wants to be liked, and he wants to, you know, you said, monetarily achieve more.
0: Right. He also wants payback because that's the kind of personality he has. So... He feels look Donald Trump humiliated him publicly. Even if he had twenty billion dollars in the bank, he's been made into a cuck. He's been gelded in the press by Donald Trump, and so he doesn't realize this because a lot of these alpha male personality types, de- this is their one Achilles heel, is that they can't let anything, they can't let something go in the short term in order to win in the long term. This is something that I've worked on myself for literally decades, so I can do it now. reason Bill Mitchell and the rest of these people are all crying now is because I was willing to eat the shit sandwich for over a year, letting people think we had lost, just waiting and biding my time for the perfect moment to strike. Scaramucci can't do that. And so he feels he's been uh, – you know, like these, uh, these muscle brain idiots – you disrespected me. I know exactly who Scarabucci is. I grew up with these guys. I'm from fucking New York too, right? You disrespected me, motherfucker. I've got to show you. I'm going to fucking show you. Yeah, yeah. You're gonna, all you're going to show is that you have such an emotional response to Donald Trump. You're the, all you're going to show is that you're the spurned ex-girlfriend, and that's all he's showing, and these idiots are manipulating him by giving money and promising that he can get revenge, but you can't. Because you, the revenge that you want can't be achieved while the president is the president. You might be able to get it in five or ten years when he's no longer president. And you can try to take a chunk out of his legacy. That, and by the way, that's what I would be doing if I were him. But no, he has low impulse control. He's not that smart. He's like Cohen. Trump likes surrounding himself with a bunch of low IQ troglodytes. Um, to do certain types of jobs. I'm not saying everyone he uh, surrounds himself with is stupid, but he certainly has never been afraid to have dumb people around him to do the dirty, shitty jobs because they do them the best.
1: The good, problem
0: is, right? yeah, well, listen, as an executive, you have to have all the levers available, right? Right. You you can't just surround yourself with moral eggheads because then if you ever have to go to the mattresses, who's going to fucking do the dirty work? You need some fighters, too. And fighters, by the way, generally speaking, are not that smart. Right. And the smart guys are not that tough. So you need to have the full width and breadth of options in front of you. So Donald Trump has never shied away from having all different kinds of people in his arsenal and when one of them goes rogue, like Scaramucci, um, it can be embarrassing for him, which I think not for Trump, but for Scaramucci. He hasn't figured out yet. He still thinks he's winning. But I think if you look at the last couple of days, it's beginning to dawn on him that no, that the only reason people liked him is because he was connected to the president. Right. The only reason people like William Shatner is because he's attached to Star Trek. If William Shatner repudiated Captain Kirk and said he hates Star Trek and tried to do like uh, 18th century British, uh, you know, Shakespearean productions, he would be roundly rejected. He would have no career at all. And he knows that, which is why even at the age of, what is he, like 90-something now, he's still going around. He's Captain Kirk because he knows long after he's dead, people will go to his graveside in Los Angeles, and it's going to say in big letters, Captain James T. Kirk, with a picture of him above it. And in the little letters, it'll say William Shatter. <laughs> and he's cool with that. Scaramucci never right. learned that. Like, right. Right. He never learned it. And so look at him now. He actually thinks like the woke idiots are going to embrace him. The woke idiots will embrace him the way you and I would embrace some stupid lib who turned on one of their own. We would embrace them in the short term only, right? And then discard them when the damage has been done to the bigger liberal. We would never like embrace them, you know? You don't see like a lot. How many Republicans, you know, that are talking uh, a lot of stuff about those people in the Clinton administration who turned on their boss? Like, how did it work out for what was that guy's name? I should remember it because the toe sucking guy. Do you remember that guy?
1: It's uh, yeah, I, I know. who. He is. I know who you're talking about. Uh, what was that guy's laptop, name? It
0: was uh, yeah. Morris. Dick Morris. Right. That's there you good. go. Yeah. So the how did Dick guy. Morris's <laughs> career go? Yeah. Yeah. But that, Yeah, that's a weird
1: deal. Um, you know, it kind of goes into some other stuff here. I mean, uh, you talk about people betraying each other. These Democrats going in, you know, you see AOC and you see both uh, well, of the gang of whatever it is. Uh, and, you know, see these DNC desperately wants to crown Biden. You can tell that they desperately want it, even though he's potentially getting dementia and losing his fucking mind. So what's going to happen there? You're going to see a democratic civil war. I've made a prediction that Bernie Sanders will get screwed at the DNC convention yet again, exactly like in 2016, and they'll fissure at that point, and that's what will for sure lose them the election in 2020. Uh,
0: look, I don't know. I mean that's something you should ask Adam Gingrich. All I can say is that um, I don't think this time around Bernie Sanders is anything more than a paid-for property he's down with with the dnc this time he knows he's not gonna win he's there to perform some kind of function um the question i think we need to ask is will his followers what few are left um will they go along with with him finally endorsing warren or biden or or harris or something like that the other thing is that i wouldn't count out anybody yet if you recall um John McCain was polling like two or three percent until the last couple of weeks of the primary where people just decided for whatever reason, for whatever
1: reason,
0: (laughs) (laughs) right, he suddenly came back in the the polls and he unfortunately became our candidate. Um, So I don't count anything. I know that the real money in the Democrat Party is behind Biden, and if there's any way. That they can get him across the finish line, and and get. I think he is the biggest threat to the president's reelection, and that's what Adam Gingrich has told me. He's explained it, and uh, I am forced to agree with him. And he knows better than me any all this stuff. That said, you might be right. You know, if his performance continues down the path it's going, where. Even people in his own party think he may have brain damage, right? I mean, that's fucked up. If if people are saying on the Democrat side, he's an old man and he has brain damage, I I don't know how. Then I think it's going to be Warren, at least looking at things right now. I think Kamala Harris is an unattractive, politically unattractive candidate, right? Um, And I don't think there's much there. Elizabeth Warren, on the other hand, um, ultimately, look. It doesn't matter, these national Democrat polls. As Adam has constantly reminded me, it's all about what New Hampshire and Iowa are going to do. So you should look at what the three three top contenders are doing in New Hampshire and Iowa. And I would argue whoever's ahead in New Hampshire and Iowa, that's going to be the Democratic candidate. It doesn't matter all these national polls telling you, you know, like nationally, Joe Biden is at 20%. Um, that doesn't matter. What is he in, in, in Iowa? What is he in New Hampshire? Because if he's still in the 20s, the 30s or 40s, he's going to be their candidate. Right.
1: Let me ask you this. If I'm of switching gears. I'm not trying. I'm trying to get a soundbite, I guess, out of this because it's uh, in the news a lot. What's going on with all these liberal Jews in America supporting the Democratic Party when they have such vehement anti-Semitism, anti-Israeli sentiment, uh, statements,
0: everything? Just it's crazy. So what's going on with that? Okay, because, listen, first of all, American Jews have been kami libs, period. Eight out of ten, seven out of ten are kami libs. They don't believe in the Jewish tradition or the religion. They do not believe in the Torah or the Old Testament. They have no connection to any kind of real uh, religious life. They are atheistic, by and large, and they consider themselves cultural Jews, kind of like lapsed Catholics, right? And by the way, you'll see lapsed lapsed Catholics are also a bunch of uber-libs, also. That That said, right, so after the Second World War, um, even the liberal Jews in America supported Israel because of the shock that most people felt um, of what was done to the jewish population worldwide during the second world war but how quickly people forget like you know listen man i was like in my 30s i think when nine eleven happened and today it's almost like it never happened right
1: seriously it, it, we it, have, it's
0: absolutely crazy you have people look how much the liberals we have, listen, liberal we have listen man we have osama bin laden's spiritual sister in the fucking congress so i'm telling you 9-11 never fucking happened there's your soundbite okay you can That's play crazy. with that right. right all right but well, back if- on september 14th 2001 anybody saying the shit that that bitch is saying now would be would be run out of dc on a rail but today it is not only tolerated it is celebrated Speaking 9-11 never hailed. She seems to be pretty good at that from what uh, everyone's reporting, apparently, you know. You want to understand how Jewish people cannot give a shit about Israel and the Jewish story and the concentration camps and all. How can they turn on all of it? Just ask yourself, how come half the country at least doesn't give a shit about what happened on 2001 in in 9-11, 2001? And in that, if you can study and understand that, you will understand the the lamentable position that American Judaism is in—not Israeli Judaism, which is the exact opposite—but American Jews, by and large, are seven out of ten, eight out of ten, commie first, cultural Jew second. They have no particular. Even connection Bernie to Sanders the saying, of the saying that he, he called uh,
1: Benjamin Netanyahu
0: a bully, and that he had yeah, no listen. place. Bernie Sanders. He was a communist first guy his entire life. He never ever he was listen, he was shitting on Israel when the when ninety percent of the world wasn't. That's how long he's a fucking communist, a real communist. He's my generation type of communist, something your generation has no experience with, real anyone who could crap on America during the cold war and take the soviet side that is that that is the type of noam chomsky type of communist howard zinn communist that bernie sanders is he's a friggin dinosaur when it comes to being an american trader and yes american jewelry jewelry has become uh, increasingly distanced from any kind of religious. Any religious Judaism has nothing to do with American Judaism anymore. So that what you'll see is the more seriously Jews take the religion, the more conservative and Republican they are. That's the fact. Even the lefties will not argue with me on this. So right now... If you're expecting a bunch of commie first people who happen to have been born in Jewish families to suddenly see the light because a lot of their uh, Democrat Congress people and people in power are openly, you know, Osama bin Laden flavored uh, PLO anti-Semites, you're, you, don't, you don't get it. You don't see things for what they are. They don't care. In fact, I think they enjoy it. They enjoy it, but we can use it as a cudgel and smash them over the head that they are a bunch of Jew haters and it does hurt them. So please, by all means, uh, continue to do it. They should be ashamed. Listen, forget the Judaism for five seconds. The fact that in the same country where the World Trade Center was knocked down. Right, my favorite restaurant and bar in New York no longer exists, and the manager, who was a friend of mine, he's dead. Many of my friends died in 9/11, and the fact that you could have these pieces of human shit sitting in the House of Representatives in gerrymandered districts filled with foreigners, teeming with foreigners, who are expressing the same philosophy that Osama bin Laden and the PLO. And all those other trashy people are espousing is a shame. It is the, in, in Yiddish, it's a shanda. It's a disaster. And uh, I don't know what else to say about it. We're not going to win it by telling a bunch of communists who were born in Jewish families and who hate those families anyway. We're not going to convince them that Elon uh, Omar is bad. The only thing that's going to make them get rid of Elon Omar is if she becomes such a liability politically to some national reelect campaign which is by the way that's where the game is people that's how we get rid of them that's how we force the democrats to modify their behavior we make them lose elections that they shouldn't lose but whining about israel ain't gonna do it because they don't care about israel and it doesn't. It's it's not like they just decided they didn't care about Israel. These Jews, eight out of ten Jew, eight out of ten, seven out of ten Jews never cared about Israel within the last forty years. They hate. Israel. When I'm saying think think Israel. Not only do they not care, they openly hate the state of Israel. Crazy right. because because in the leftist demagoguery world, we are, how far do we want to roll back on this? Okay, so. State of Israel was established in 1948 by around 1950 or 52 the Soviet Union was creating a narrative in the same way that you've lived through the Russia, Russia, Russia narrative. The Soviets through their through this thing that called the common term which was Soviet money bankrolling foreign direct political action in America and Western Europe. Uh, books were published for Westerner's consumption in English and in German and in French and in Spanish. And those books presented the idea of Israel as a uh, – because the, Israel's existence was a, uh, a crushing blow to the Soviet geopolitical desires, right? The, the, Russia, the Russia had very nice relations with the Arabs. Because they were also all terrorists. They loved them. But the fact that Israel was the one outpost of America, that was our guys, right? If Israel could be wiped out, if Israel could be destabilized, then the Soviets' geopolitical position would be enhanced. But we didn't allow that to happen. But the philosophy… The propaganda that was created during, especially in the 60s and 70s, Israel is apartheid, Israel is racist, Zionism is evil. All this stuff came out of the common term. It all came out of Moscow and the Politburo. And what's funny, not so funny, but amusing to me is I see people who are literally more than half my age younger spouting shit from a book that I purchased in the Soviet Union in 1984. And they don't even know it. They think these are like new ideas, you know, like Israel's an apartheid state. It's not. And they would be – they would probably be proud that it came from the Soviet Union because a lot of these people think the Soviet Union in 2019, they think the Soviet Union is something – to be lamented that it no longer exists. America's evil. The Soviet Union. The, it's like these guys down south that the wrong side won. You talk to them, it's like, yep, yeah, wrong side won. South will rise again. You talk to these leftists, they believe the wrong side won the Cold War. Mark my words. you know that The ultimate battle is not going to be about health care and all this other stuff. It's about Marxism versus freedom. It's been that way my whole You think they're
1: willing to pick up a gun for the specter of the Soviet Union?
0: Not for the specter of the Soviet Union, but in order to put you in some kind of re-education camp, bet your fucking ass they will. Oh, they'd love that. If you want to do something for this country and you can do it in the area you live in, buy guns, buy ammunition, get as much training as you can in the use and care for your firearms and ammunition, and vote freedom. That's my personal recipe for saving the country. Buy guns, ammo, and, and guns. It's also also Colonel uh, Kurt Schlichter's, who's a, who's one of my heroes. Uh, if you ever watch his Twitter feed, it's fantastic. He'll just tell all these libs. They'll you know, be like, we think guns are there gun violence, all this bullshit. He'll be like, buy ammo, buy buy firearms, buy ammo, vote freedom. I salute you, Colonel Schlichter. Don't ever change. Well, Guys,
1: I'll be right now. Oh, i I got to cut it off for tonight because uh, we're going to go over. Yeah. But, again, you can always find us on all social media. That is Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, Parler, and the scads of other places at New Right Network. That is one word, at New Right Network. And also visit us at www.newrightnetwork.com. You've been listening to New Right Network.
0: Mobilizing, countering, energizing. Online at newrightnetwork.com.